Blog Talk Radio. We've gotta be the body to rock it like we're never gonna see it again We are exploding, the world is gonna know it We rock it like you're never gonna see us again Good evening, everyone. It is 11.36 p.m. and Pure Gold is live and on the air for this Wednesday night, August 13th, 2014. <sighs> Welcome once again to the show about everything and anything. What we tell like it is. My name is DG, uh, David G for short, of course. For those of you out there listening, we uh, thank you so much. Uh, get a little late start today. Of course, we'll get into that a little later on. So many different things to discuss, so many things to talk about. Of course, if you'd like to be part of the show, as always, give us a call at 714-364-4721. Once again, that is 714-364-4721. Hopefully, everyone's had a great week thus far. Wednesday, of course, as we like to say, the middle of the week. So many things to to discuss and so many things going on in the lives of uh, so many people out there. Um, Now, I've been trying to decide what to start with today, what to lead with. Because there's so many different things, um, there's so many topics. Of course, just you know, if you've been paying attention to anything and the media lately, so much negativity, uh, positivity, of course, to, to be sure, but so many negative things out there. And uh, of course, uh, as we all know, unless you've been under a rock for the past uh, you know, 48 hours or so, uh, comedian Robin Williams, unfortunately, uh, you know, taking his own life. He is no longer with us you know, for whatever reason. I mean, there's so many different things we can discuss uh, about Robin and, you know, where to, you know, where to begin. But uh, the interesting thing to me, uh, obviously, is the fact that, you know, somebody who always found Robin to be funny, somebody who, I, I can't say I was a huge fan of Robin Williams. I mean, I am a fan of his, I was a fan of his. But I mean, in the sense, you know, this was, this was very shocking and a little heartbreaking because you always hate to see that this happen with celebrities and stuff, but... The sad thing about me, and the sad thing about this situation to me, of course, is the fact that Robin took his own life. He was depressed, and, you know, I'm not going to go down the, the road of depression and, you know, drugs and things that people are on, medication, et cetera, et cetera. But you know, it's just unfortunate to me that a guy like Robin, who had, uh, you know, three children, three grown children, but three children nonetheless, you know, decided to take his own life, and unfortunately... You know, he's gone, he'll you know, no longer to be around, no longer around to be a father to his children. And it's just it's a sad, sad thing, you know, with two little kids myself, but it's not something that I think, think about, but, you know, it's something that when you see all the stories and you see all the, you know, people talking about it, people discussing it, you know, giving it two cents, fellow you know, comedians, actors, et cetera, et cetera, there's always just so many different things. Um, you know, they'll they'll give you their insight. As a matter of fact, I was I was reading an article the other day with, uh, with Chris Rock, where Chris was discussing and saying how he didn't, he wasn't surprised this happened. He wasn't surprised that 
uh, you know, Robin was depressed. Not, not necessarily the, the suicide thing, but that, you know, comedians are sad lives. Yeah, unfortunately, they're supposed to observe everything that goes on in the world. They're supposed to look at everything in the world. They're supposed to, you know, see everything, and they see all the good with the bad. And you end up kind of focusing on the bad, so he said it doesn't surprise him that Robin was depressed. But again, it's a shock to all of us who knew him, uh, you know, as far as being an actor and comedian and all that. As a matter of fact, I was watching one of his movies last week, just last week with my wife, at my, my sister-in-law's house, and, you know, that's why it kind of hit me even harder, because it felt like it was some guy I hadn't seen in years, you know, some sort of shock to the system, and unfortunately, celebrities die all the time. You had Paul Walker, who died earlier this year, and took a car accident, car crash. You had James Garner, who died just a couple of weeks ago, but of course, James is a lot was older, and, you know, it's just time to go, as it were, and Robin being in his early 60s, it's just it's an absolute shame, um, you know, so again, condolences to the Robin Williams family, uh, I'll never understand suicide, I'll never get it, I'll, I just don't understand, but, you know, again, that's not necessarily my place to get into that here and now, there's, there's been a lot of discussion, there's been a lot of people who have a lot of different opinions, uh, good or bad, and, uh, you know, he's been called a, a coward by my son, and, you know, it's, it's just a shame, it's really an absolute tragedy. Of course, there's always, you know, that, shifting gears from, from that, of course, it's, it's a hard thing to talk about, but I kind of wanted to get that out of the way first, because um, everything else is just the usual standard, you know, pure gold fair, there's so many things to discuss, of course, uh, you know, TV shows, and sports, and sports entertainment, and, you know, we're going to, we're going to the, the sports route now, um, those of you, again, listening, maybe for the first time, Joe Bacino, a.k.a. JB, is not on today. Uh, he's who knows where, but my co-host, the two of us, usually just kind of rip it up and, you know, tell it like it is, but, you know, unfortunately, he's not with me tonight. We do have a, a caller on the line that we're going to get to in a minute and, and kind of trying to set this up. You know, I, I was trying to see if I could find somebody to, to fill both time and kind of cover Joe's spot. You remember, for the past couple of weeks, I've been ripping Joe because he did a solo show, uh, one of the nights that I ended up, like, falling asleep and I wasn't able to, to call in the program. Um, and unfortunately, Joe, <laughs> unfortunately, Joe decided to betray me and uh, and have a show anyway. So I decided that I was going to get all the revenge and I was going to do the same thing to him. And, you know, here we are. Here we are doing the show. And, uh, again, I tried to get a couple different people, the guest hosts. I, I reached out to a few people. and Unfortunately, they weren't uh, weren't available as it were, but um, I decided, you know what, I'm going to do the show anyway, and I'm going to talk about things that, you know, I want to talk about, things that I want to discuss, and unfortunately, um, you know, one of those things that I am going to discuss is the New York Metropolitans. Now, the Mets, as we all know, again, anybody who's ever listened to this show before, Joe and I tend to not talk too much about the Mets now, we tend to they're ripped them to no end, but they really just, uh, so far this year, they've had their ups and their downs, mostly downs. Sandy Alderson uh, made a little prediction about the Mets winning 90 games before the beginning of the year. Uh, I think he was talking about uh, winning 90 games over the course of this year and next year, but, you know, combined. But, could be wrong about that. You know, the Mets ended up uh, just, you know, losing tonight, of course, and it's just, it just baffles me. This team baffles me. 
But I think honestly what baffles me more than anything else are the fans of this franchise. The fans who still, for whatever reason, get upset when the Mets lose. And I don't know what they expect or what they think the Mets are going to do, but I, I definitely have no expectations at this point. And then we get into that. But of course, like I said, I have a guest uh, caller on the line. Not a guest, but a caller on the line. Uh, somebody who I, I discuss a, a lot of things with on, uh, on Twitter. Uh, and, and the main thing would be the Mets, so I'd like to welcome right now to the program, calling in for the first time, Ben from uh, New Brunswick, New Jersey, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and it looks like the <laughs> looks like the call dropped. That's awesome. I don't know if Ben hung up. I don't know what's going on, but uh, Ben <laughs> Ben disappeared. Of course, that's uh, typical for for PG. Um, so uh, I'll con- I'll continue. Uh, <laughs> As we're over here discussing so many different things, it figures. Oh, wait, listen, Ben is back with us, and let's let's try to get Ben on the air. Uh, ben, you are live and on the air with Pure Gold. How are you doing, sir? Very good, very good. How about yourself? I'm uh, doing great, doing great. Uh, thanks so much for for calling in, of course. And folks, like I was saying, Ben is one of the guys that I, I talk to sometimes on Twitter, and you know, a good Mets fan, one of the few that I found who is intelligent. Now, of course, I'm not going to sit here and berate every Mets fan out there, but um, I'm sure Ben will back me up on this. There's so many different times that I've um, seen and observed people on Twitter and just things that people say. Uh, Mets Twitter, as it's called, uh, you know, derogatorily. But, uh, Ben, you know, give us your take on this team, if you could, briefly. I mean, again, we've discussed this kind of ad nauseum, uh, the negative aspects of the Mets. But before the season started, let me ask you this much. What were your expectations going in, you know, considering what Sandy Alderson had done and consider, or excuse me, what Sandy Alderson hadn't done? Um, were you expecting this team to be, to be in playoff contention, or, you know, what were you thinking? Um, well, you know, like, in playoff, like, I realized, I figured there was, a, there was always a chance in this team. And I know from what Sandy did over the off season. He didn't do um, he didn't do a lot of big things like his big thing was Chris Young, which as you all know now is obviously terrible. But um, <laughs> like, but yeah, but like going to like all the fans like they're like now they're saying oh like Sandy's a terrible GM. He signed Chris Young like and he didn't sign Nelson Cruz. But like I can say that about every decision made like after it's already made like if it, if it was a bad decision like you can't you can't just say oh he like, he would have been terrible he would have been blah blah blah. Like, yeah, like you can say he didn't fit with the team when he was signed, but like you can't say you knew you knew he was going to be terrible. Like ninety five percent of Mets fans I've seen have said, which and that like it kind of baffles me. I know, like I think you've seen that too. Like they have like the kind of like the hindsight bias. Like they say they they know it's going to happen, and that's just like one of the things that they are still complaining about to this day. Yeah, I mean, you, you see that a lot on Twitter, a lot of the Nelson Cruz thing. I mean, I I usually join in the conversation when people discuss it just because I, it, it does baffle me, but it's not something that I discuss. Now, the Nelson Cruz thing is something that uh, we talked about on the show, you know, my co-host and I, my brother and I, we talked about this off the year. My brother is, is, was harping on Nel- the Mets signing Nelson Cruz, like, last August, saying the Mets should go to Nelson Cruz and the Mets need to get Nelson Cruz. And I think the problem that people like me had with the deal, the Chris Young deal, wasn't the fact that, Chris Young is terrible when you look at his stats for his career, is the fact that Sandy basically jumped on it immediately. I was I was getting into a conversation with somebody the other day, and he was telling me, you know, well, we're going to have to agree to disagree, and the Mets weren't going to sign 
on Nelson Cruz and do it again somewhere else. And I, I get all that, that, you know, Teddy Seals might have hit his ballpark, but the fact of the matter is that the Mets, the Mets signed him, Chris Young, a full three months before Nelson Cruz signed him to anybody. So if the Mets had been that aggressive going after Cruz, they probably could have gotten him on the cheap. And, um, I mean, he just has a better career track record. When you look at Chris Young, again, Chris Young has already been cut by the Mets. It goes to show you that Sandy, when you look at the moves that Sandy has done, other than Nelson, you know, forget Nelson Cruz for a second, Chris Young wasn't a good fit on this team, and I'm sure you can agree with that. Chris Young um, does not have good career numbers, has not done well, you know, very low average hitter, exactly had pretty much one good year with Arizona, and other than that, I mean, but but when you think about this team, Ben, the Mets did nothing this offseason, you know, and it's, I'm sure you'd agree with that, and right now it's haunting them. What, what did you say? No, yeah, I would definitely say that. But, like, you have to see, um, like, I guess, from what I remember, I could be wrong, but from what I remember, the plan for the team was the 2014, so this year, was supposed to be, like, if everyone was healthy. Like, if, if Harvey didn't have the Tommy John surgery, if everything went according to plan, this would be the year where they were just getting back into the swing of contention. And it's really far off this year, but they're they're not completely out of it. Like, well, let's be honest. Like, let's be honest. Crazy things have happened. Like, they're not completely mathematically eliminated yet. Like, they're still reasonably in the area. They're not close, but they're reasonably in the area. So, but yeah, I do agree with what you're saying that nothing was done to really get this team. But honestly, like, if I remember correctly, 2015 from next year was supposed to be the real time for the team to you know, like excel. And I just think that. Sandy will this year, this off season. I think he'll, if he if he can, if there's people available for the right the right spots. I think I think he'll do more than he did this year because I think he knows that if he's even still around, if they keep him, I think that he knows that next year is going to be the year. Yeah, but the the problem with the Mets, this is the problem that I have, right? Is that there's always the talk of, oh, next year's the year, oh, it's going to be next year, it's going to be oh. next year. Yeah, that's cool, you know, that you talk about next year, but you know what the, the Mets have been talking about next year since I was five years old in 1986. It's always next year, the Mets are going to do it next year, the Mets are going to, the Mets never do it next year, and I think that that's the, that's the true problem, that's the true issue that I have. When I look at the Mets stats, right, when you look at this team, again, Chris Young was the type of guy that you knew he wasn't going to be any good. There's just no reason to think that Chris Young was was ever going to be good on this team. You know, a guy who just did nothing. I mean, hell, with the Mets, he ended up hitting, you know, less than 10 homers, less than 30 RBI, batting barely over 200. I mean, that's pathetic in any level. When you look at this lineup, I mean, you know, the only guy who's really honestly hitting well is uh, is Daniel Murphy. I mean, just overall, let's look at the overall season. Forget about what they've done the past week or two. And Murphy's, you know, Murphy's got nine homers. He's got 50 RBI, batting Barely over 300, right? Um, yep. Dude is doing decent. You look at Lucas Dude, he's got 21 homers, 64 RBI. He's batting, you know, a, a shade below 260. You know, decent for a first baseman. Not a Lucas Duda fan, but, you know, that's kind of besides the point. When you look at the team overall, there's just not much there. Uh, you know, I mean, Travis Darno, amazingly enough, this, these numbers don't even sound right. But, I mean, Darno's got 10 homers. He's batting 230. You know, they sent him to the minors. They brought him back. He sunk it up. Granderson batting, you know, close to 200, which is horrible. But, I mean, what did you expect? The point is, though, when you look at up and down this line, Ruben Tejada's batting 224. 
Uh, this is not counting today's stats. Grand Nation 226. There are no 230. Um, let me see who else here. David Wright's batting 276. I mean, David Wright has done nothing this year. He's done absolutely nothing this year, uh, you know, considering how much the Mets pay him. It's ridiculous. But the fact is that when you look at the team, when you look at the eight guys on the field, the Mets don't have talent. That's just – there's just no way around it. You know, David Wright hasn't been the same player since that, that you know. Look at his stats every other year. He seems to have a pretty decent year, but he's not the guy they thought they were signing. Um, and, again, you know, not to ramble on and on about this, but look at the team. Look at left field, center field. Right? I mean, the Mets don't have much there. So the Mets aren't going to win with this team. You know, next year uh, Matt Harvey can come back and have an amazing season, you know, but they, they still have no offense. I mean, Sandy Oberson needs to go out and get a left fielder. He needs to go out and get a right fielder. He needs to go out and, uh, you know, if you want to keep Lucas Duda, okay, he needs to get a shortstop. I mean, there's so many positions he has to fill, Ben, and that is the real problem. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I I, exactly, I know exactly what you're saying. I I definitely understand it. Um, but, like, I feel like the moves, there's, certain, like, two or three moves that have to be made, like, Hands down, like the, the outfield, a move has to be made there, a move has to be made, and the probably, probably definitely look at least look at the shortstop position, make a move this coming off season. But I feel like the Mets are looking. I know you're saying like, oh, like it's always next year with them, which it is, but now now they actually have people to say that actually is credible to say next year, because they have the young talent. It's obviously not all the young talent is going to come, but everyone bailed on Darno in the beginning of the season. And I'm not saying Darno is lighting it up anymore, cause, like, or now, because he's not really lighting up based on, you said, his average, which he's not. But he is, he turns around from what a season looked like he was completely terrible. Like, he's turning it around, um, and it's just, I feel like when, once you start turning around as a young kid in the, in the movies, you're going to you're going to continue it. Um, and they have – Dan Becker was just called up. And he was – when he, his first stand in the majors, he was, as far as hitting, god-awful. Now he's – I don't know if it's just because he was just called up. He's starting – he's hitting the ball harder now. Um, it's just – they have credibility to say next, like next year with a young kid. But I do agree with you that the, some certain moves have to be made aside from the uh, farm team. Yeah, but, but that's the thing, then. The Mets have credibility when you look at their pitching staff. You know, let's just say Matt Harvey comes back and he's the same pitcher, which a lot of guys tend to be after um, Tommy John. All right, Matt Harvey's going to be awesome. You know, Jacob DeGrom looks good. Hasn't pitched that much to say that he's going to be, you know, as good as Harvey, but let's just say he's covering that vicinity. Zach Wheeler seems to be getting his stuff together. Um, you know, you have uh, Eurus Familia. You have, you know, the Mets have talent. You have Henry Mejia. There's talent in the pitching rotation. But when you look at the what they have in the, in the the lineup, I mean the the Mets have not developed a good position player, not just great, but good position player in ten years. And the fact is, the Mets haven't had anybody who's been who's been a, a solid contributor in the offense since Jose Reyes and David Wright. I mean that's that's just a fact. And you're talking you know 2003, 2004 with those two guys. So nobody who sat here and said, man, the Mets are, the Mets have, have are producing pitching. But without offense, you can't win. And that's the problem that the Mets are running into now. The fact is that the Mets don't have good offense. The Mets have no offense. 
And then when you, you mix that in with the fact that they don't have guys you can look at and say, man, this guy's coming up, and he's going to be awesome. and he's gonna, They don't have that. You know, there's talk about, um, wasn't it Kevin Pulecki, the catcher, but you already have Darno there. And Darno looked like he was a, a double-A, single-A hitter for most of the season. Now he's, he's doing all right. Okay, but is he going to be the catcher for the next five years, for the next ten years? We thought Ike Davis, I thought Ike Davis was going to be the Mets first season for ten years and be awesome, and he fell apart, and the Mets got rid of him, you know, so the, the, there's so much work there, you know, are they going to keep Dylan G, is he going to be around, is Jonathan Neese going to be around, Cologne has one more year in his contract, he's pitched pretty well this year, but again, the, it's the offense, and that's the thing, you know, do the Mets have anything coming up in the system, are the Mets going to go out and sign anybody, are the Mets going to go out and spend any money, I mean, that's the question, and again, when you look at Mets Twitter and all these people, it, it just baffles me because I see people getting upset over the Mets' losses. The Mets, the Mets aren't going anywhere. The Mets don't have the talent to compete. That's a fact. The Mets do not have the talent to compete for you know a, a playoff spot this year. But if they had one or two more players offensively, they probably could. But the fact is the fans are going nuts over these losses. And it's just like, I mean, what do you expect? It's, it, it's the Mets. Like I said, the Mets aren't very good. Right now they're in fourth place. You know, they're, what, yeah. seven, games on, seven games under 500, uh, almost 10 games back. And I'm looking at MLB.com right now. You know, they were a two-game losing streak. They're six games under 500 on the road. It's just, where are the Mets going exactly? I mean, the Mets aren't going to win anything this year. But, again, the frustration comes in for me as a lifelong Mets fan. is I'm, I'm, I just can't get high on this team until, until the Mets are, like, 10 games over 500, you know, in, in June of next year with a completely different roster, I just can't see myself getting excited about them. You know what I mean? And that's the thing. That's what gets me. Yeah, um, I understand that it's really hard, if at all, to get excited about this team. But the thing is, like I said before, I think a move or two moves are going to be made. I think Sandy knows that there's going to new moves that have to be made. That's not part of the you know, organization. But as far as people being upset, if they lose when when the team loses, let's be real. Mets Twitter is upset if they win. Like they though they find anything and everything to complain about. It's like after a loss, it's Terry Tell Manager. He blew the game. He brought too many pitches in. <laughs> if they win, it's oh, it's it's, it's something else. Like it's they'll complain about everything. It's just just say one thing and they'll and they'll flip out about it. But Honestly, like you, you said it yourself, like all the stats and the team is not that good. It's seven games under. I'm, I'm not saying I'm happy being seven games under under, uh, under 500, but that's not bad for the team. I, I think coming into the season, I thought they were going to be garbage, like more so than they are now. Um, but it's just like I understand what you're saying. It's hard to be. It's hard to get excited about this team, but, but you can't really. I'm gonna be excited I'll, as a fan. I'm gonna be excited, excited next year. Just like the start of the season, I know it's, you hear this every year. Oh, it's a, it's a it's a new season. It's gonna be different. You, every Mets fan hears that every year, and it always ends up for most of you the same way for the past decade. But I don't know. Like I'm like I, Harvey's coming back. I think I think next year, in my, in, in my mind, I think it's gonna be a big turnaround. But who knows? Maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. Like what do I know? I'm not a I'm not a manager. I'm not a psychic. I'm not a GM. I don't know how to run a team as good as the people in the office do. Um, but on that, like knowing how to run a team and everything, 
everyone on that Twitter knows how to run a team better than the people actually running the team. That's what they all think, so. Well, all right, that, all right, yeah, you're right, absolutely. The people think they can run the team, they can do a better job. The, you know, the Mets fans, uh, Terry Collins, blame him for everything. I understand. Terry is not, the truth is, Terry's not a manager who's ever won anything. Terry's not a manager who's going to take the Mets to the World Series and going to lead the Mets in the playoffs. He's just not, you know, the X's and the O's escaping. Seems like a nice guy, but just not that manager. And again, uh, Sandy Alderson, I don't think he's the type of GM for this team. I mean, he's nickel and diming everything, and I just think that if, uh, the Mets aren't going to go out there and spend zillions of dollars. You know, but what roster moves are they going to make to improve this team? And to me, again, I'll only be excited about the Mets when the Mets get a legitimate, you know, power hitting threat, a guy who people know. Again, let's say Nelson Cruz, he's a free agent after this year. If the Mets go after Nelson Cruz and bring him in, or somebody to that effect, and I say, man, you know what, this, this is the Mets are serious about this. Because the problem is this. The Mets have their franchise wrapped up in David Wright. David Wright is not a franchise player. I don't care who says what. You know, I don't care how much you like the guy. I don't care if you're a fan of his. I don't care if you think he's the greatest thing to play spread. Look at his numbers. David Wright is a, is a David Wright's the type of guy who could be a, a good number two on a team. If Mike Piazza, you know, hypothetically here, but if Mike Piazza was in his prime, you know, on this team, and you had David Wright, then I could say, man, David Wright could really do some damage. But David Wright as the number one guy, it's just not, you know, he's he's not that guy. Stats-wise, everything, he's just not the franchise player, but the Mets are paying him to be a franchise player. He needs another big, a better offensive player behind him. When you're bringing a Curtis Granderson, Curtis Granderson in and of itself is not a horrible move. It's a bad move because of the amount of money they gave him and, you know, locking him in for four years. But if, if there was, a, again, a Mike Piazza type, and Albert Pujols type in his prime, and you add Curtis Granderson to the team, different story. But the problem is that they brought in Curtis Granderson to be protection for David Wright, and he's, he's also not that kind of player. The Mets are bringing in the wrong types of players and, and you know, mixing them together. The Mets need guys who are going to, you know, be productive, who are going to help carry this team, and they just don't have that. And ultimately, you know, Ben, of course, anybody else out there listening, that is what's wrong with the Mets. So, for me, I just can't get excited about this team because it's just same old, same old. The Mets haven't been good since 2009, basically. You know, and you're talking, you're talking this will be their sixth straight losing season. The only other team in baseball who's lost the last five seasons, you know, had five straight losing seasons are the Houston Astros, who are one of the worst franchises on the planet. So, how can I be excited about a team that can't even can't even end the season one game over 500. And, I, again, Ben, I know you're saying that you're going to be excited in next year, but if the Mets come back with anything resembling this offense, you know what, they're going to stink next year too, no matter how good their pitching is. Uh, that's completely fair to say. Um, it's uh, – the David Wright is – he was the kind of player you would want to have your team around before this, like for this past couple of years, like in in my mind at least, he was like he was. I was like, wow, like, they should really make build a team around him. Then these like, these next these past these past couple of years, it was always kind of second guessing that thought, just like you said, like you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Cause it was like, like I said, sorry, go go ahead, Lucian. I was just like, it's it's just hard. I think nowadays it's hard to bring someone in to protect someone else. I think in the game, in, the game's changed a little bit. Like 
well, it's not changed, but, like, the whole world of free agency and all that now, especially in, in the Mets world and in their own little bubble with the whole money and everything, it's hard. It's hard to bring things. It's hard to attract someone to want to come there. Because, personally, I was surprised David Wright even decided to stay. Um, but it's just, it's, it's, it's a, like, the team has an aura. It's hard to attract someone to want to come there. It's hard to attract that superstar to want to come there. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But the thing is this. I, I get what you're saying, and, of course, it, it makes sense to me that you would say that uh, it's hard to get a guy to come here. But David Ray, David Ray obviously grew up as a Mets fan. Obviously, he wants to be with his team. You know, good or bad, he wants to be here, which I respect that, you know. And I, I don't, I'm not a huge fan of his. Like, again, I think he's overrated, uh, and I think that fans really overestimate his value. But David Wright at one point was was an elite player. You know, he had he had some pretty great seasons as Matt. And, but that seems to be by the wayside now. And it coincides with City Field opening up, you know. Once they opened up City Field, his numbers really went into the tank. And ultimately, <clears throat> that's the problem. But... You know, I'm hoping David will turn around. I'm hoping the Mets will get some offense in here. I'm hoping the Mets will be able to make some major improvements and help him because he can still be a valuable, you know, offensive contributor to this team. The problem is that he just can't carry the load by himself, which is what the Mets have pretty much asked him to do for the past, you know, X amount of years. So, you know, we'll kind of see where that goes. But, um, again, I'm hoping – I'd love to be proven wrong. I'm not – you know, I tend to be negative when it comes to this team, but I do love the Mets. I've been a Mets fan my whole life. I just can't get <clears throat> high as a kite when the Mets win three games and then they lose eight in a row and, you know, people start falling at the mouth and want to go, you know, throw themselves down the stairs. I just can't do that. And, again, I see it. if the Mets are in the middle of a playoff hunt, I can totally understand. The Mets are a game out. The Mets are talented. The Mets aren't, aren't playing below their talent level. Mets just aren't that talented, so the Mets, you know, to go nuts and to go crazy over these losses, I just don't get it. You know, I really, I have better things to do. I, you know, I have more important things to worry about than the Mets, um, you know, on a day-in, day-out basis. And, you know, I guess, again, it, it comes with the territory now. But let me ask you this, uh, you know, Ben, before we let you go. Uh, if if the Mets can do anything for next year, you know, do one or two moves you think the Mets need to make, one or two positions the Mets need to, you know, be stock at just to just to be competitive. Uh, ben, you still there? Oh, it looks like Ben the call dropped. Um, I thank so much Ben for calling in. But um, you know the Mets again, just just a team in disarray and a team that's not going anywhere. It seems like Terry Collins is going to be back next year, which uh, you know again I just don't understand it. I don't understand you know bringing Terry back, but you know again I guess we'll have to wait and see what happens and, you know, where the Mets go. You get Sandy, you get GMs, and some things out of place in the team. Um, and, again, there's people blame Sandy on the team for everything, but that's kind of neither here nor there, of course. Um, but, but I think for now, at least, that's enough Mets talk. It, it, it starts to get to me after a while. You know, there's so many other things to, to kind of talk about on the docket. And, uh, you know, I will get to a few other topics before we close out the show. But, uh, you know, let's go through a couple of uh, – a couple of our, our little breaks here, and then we'll be right back after these words from uh, some of our past guests. So stay tuned, folks. Here we go. We'll be right back. What's up, guys? This is actress Jen Lilly telling you to tune in to Pure Gold Radio. 
Pure Gold brings you amazing guests, awesome interviews, and great talk radio every week. Check them out at puregoldpg.com. I'm Lisa Mateo of the Pix11 Morning News in New York, and you're listening to Pure Gold. Hi, this is Lauren Lester, and you are listening to Pure Gold. Hey, this is Morgan Woolard, Miss Oklahoma USA 2010, and you're listening to Pure Gold. Hey, what's up, everybody? I am Nikki Boyer, the host of Yahoo's Daytime in No Time, and you're listening to Pure Gold. Thanks so much for the kind words there, everyone. Nikki, of course, is no longer the host of Yahoo's Daytime in No Time, and she's actually one of the people I tried to get on the program as a co-host, and unfortunately she had a things that she couldn't do, you know, some, some things she had to do that, that took precedence over that. But, um, you know, again, we thank her so much, of course, for always being on with us. So many things, different things to discuss, and I'm going to kind of hit them rapid fire. Got to start with the WWE, where you look at the Sunday, you have SummerSlam, of course, coming up. Um, you know, a lot of big matches there. But before we get to SummerSlam, for those of you out there who saw Monday Night Raw, for those of you out there who were just, you know, pumped up, you had that the Hulk Hogan birthday celebration. Um, a lot, you know, there was some interesting stuff going on there. There was some interesting things with... Uh, <laughs> there was some interesting things going on there. And One of the things that I just want to touch on, and again, I'm not going to spend too much time talking about this, but when you look at... <laughs> when you look at this, this, the incidents that happened here, one of the things that I noticed, of course, was the one and only Rick Blair... Now, when I first saw this, and there's actually an article out there going out to the next day, Flair snubbed Hogan, but when you look at what happened, you know, all these different guys come down. You have Paul Orndorff with his crazy mustache. Uh, you have Roddy Piper. You know, just the NWO comes out during Hogan's birthday celebration, all this stuff. But Flair, Flair's one of the first guys to come out. Um, if I'm not mistaken, Flair may have been the first guy to come out. But when he comes down to the ring, you see him extending his hand to Hogan. Uh, Hogan doesn't even budge doesn't even make an attempt to shake his hand, and then Flair quickly just switches over to Mean Gene, shakes his hand, and, and Hogan looks at the, at the handshake and then looks away. It just, it just baffles me. I don't know if there was some heat going on there. Definitely something. It was awkward. It was an awkward segment. Um, up until the NWO came out, Hogan really wasn't smiling too much. didn't seem to be too happy. He seemed to be as miserable as could be, which I don't understand. But uh, the Hogan-Flair thing was funny because Again, you have the two biggest icons in the history of wrestling, the two biggest names, undoubtedly. Say whatever you want about The Rock, say whatever you want about Steve Austin, but the two biggest names in wrestling history in terms of in-ring talent, Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair, the number one and the number two in, in, in you know, you can say it's beautiful, number one, number two guys in wrestling history. I just thought that was funny. Hogan just had this look on his face like he didn't want to be there, which I mean, totally no-sold the handshake for Ric Flair, which is hilarious. Um... And, of course, you have SummerSlam coming up, you know, moving on from that, and there's so many different matches there that, you know, just to kind of go over. But to me, the most important match, the biggest match, of course, would have to be John Cena versus Brock Lesnar, which, of course, it's going to be a huge match. I actually think it's going gonna, it's gonna to deliver. I think it's going to be an epic match. I think it's going to be one of the better matches, if not the best matches of Cena's career. And, of course, it's got to end. To me, it has to end with Brock Lesnar beating John Cena, whether it's by pinfall, whether it's by submission, whether it's, you know, referee stoppage. Just John Cena needs to be completely and utterly destroyed 
by Brock Lesnar, and the Beast needs to walk out with the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. Um, I just think there's no other acceptable outcome, to be honest. You just can't have you can't have seen to continue with this title. You know, they're supposedly pushing Roman Reigns to the moon, which of course will probably be in the Orient. And allegedly the plans are going to be Roman Reigns going against Lesnar at WrestleMania 31, which would be a, an interesting main event, if nothing else. But you got to give it to Lesnar. you got to have him just, um, you know, you got to have him just destroy and decimate and obliterate Cena and walk out with the belt and, and bring a quote-unquote legitimacy to it. You're going to have the mainstream media attention because Lesnar, of course, former two-time UFC champion. I mean, it'll be great to have him as champ for a while. Uh, yeah, I like Brock Lesnar. I'm not the biggest fan of his, but, you know, I think it'll be cool. And, of course, there's going to be wrestling fans out there criticizing a part-time wrestler getting the title, but, you know, it is what it is. That's the kind of world that we live in, just like when The Rock had it. It's not the world that it used to be. Um, but I, I definitely want to see that. Um, the only other, what I think may be the match of the night, if not seen in Lesnar, and it's rare because you don't really get a lot of the main events are usually not match of the nights with Cena. But that's going to be the match tonight, I think. And if not, the little show stealer may be Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins in a lumberjack match, which I don't understand. Um, I guess they're going to keep going, keep feuding, and maybe at some point uh, Ambrose will end up, you know, coercing Rollins to putting up his money in the bank ladder match contract. But I would think that that would be the stipulation. Why pick a lumberjack match? Again, he's going to keep him central, keep him in the ring, which is a good thing, but. You know, why not just put up the contract? But I guess we'll see where that goes. Uh, Bray Wyatt and Chris Jericho, another match that I'm really looking forward to. I think it's going to be epic. Uh, Bray Wyatt's got to win this one, of course, but I think it'll definitely be a great match. Um, and I'm looking forward to Rusev and Swagger. They've had a nice little feud going. I do hope Swagger goes over, but probably not going to happen yet. Um, and just so many different matches here in the card, but, you know, those are the ones I wanted to touch on before anything else. And uh, the last thing I want to discuss in terms of wrestling it has to be, um, it has to be the WWE title. My co-host is not with us, of course. Joe is off an assignment, but you know, at the end of the day, when you look at the WWE Championship belt, Joe, of course, uh, you know, is a belt fiend, a guy who goes nuts over these titles, a guy who actually goes out and purchases the belt. Um, I'm sure he's going to foam at the mouth because the. the sent me some pictures, some article links, the rumors are that they're going to put the new WWE Network logo, which is horrible, by the way, and they're going to put this on the title belt, which will make the belt look, look super cartoonish and just insanely terrible. Um, it, what, what baffles me is that with all these people that can pay graphic designers and, you know, study groups and stuff, this is the best logo they came up with. I just I can't imagine. Um, I definitely want to see... I want to see um, why... Why it is that they don't have the E in there, I, I just don't get it. But um, I guess we're going to see what happens. We'll kind of go from there. Um, but Joe's going to go nuts. I'm sure we're going to talk about this at, at nauseam uh, next week. It should be it should be interesting, if nothing else, um, you know, just to see what happens with Joe and, and where he's at. But um, it's just I just love it because Joe literally ends up going nuts. He ends up foaming at the mouth over this stuff and, I think that next week will be just like this week, except that Joe will be here and he'll be able to kind of, you know, give us his take and tell us why he's so miserable and why he's so upset and why now he's going to have to go out and buy this new title even though he hates it. Um, that, that, of course, should be interesting. So, you know, we'll see 
we'll see where that goes. Um, but, uh, you know, again, enough about the WWE, enough about this, uh, this nonsense. Uh, I know we do have another caller on the line, so I'm going to see if I can get to this person briefly. Um, I'm going to have him, him chime in here. I believe we have uh, Billy on the line. Billy, how are you doing, sir? Oh, good. How are you? Doing good, good. Uh, what would you like to discuss, sir? Well, I, I, I agree with you and your co-host. Uh, you agree with me and my co-host about what exactly? About SummerSlam. Oh, really? And uh, what do you think about SummerSlam, sir? Well, I, I don't have the network, but um, I'm going to go watch it at Hooters. Are you? I think you're going to go watch it at Hooters because you're a scum-sucking, moose-licking piece of crap. That's what I think you are, Billy. As a matter of fact, folks, joining me right now against my wishes is my co-host, Joe Bacino. Joe, how are you doing, sir? I'm okay. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> what a piece of trash. You realize that solo episode of yours is going in the garbage. I hope you know that. I hope you realize that because this is even worse of a betrayal. Your fake accent didn't fool anybody. You scum. What are you doing? Are you out in Texas? or What, what the hell are you, sir? No, I just called in to listen to you and um, what's his name? <laughs> I forget what his name was. Ben? Ben. That's right. Ben from um, yeah. Trent, I guess. Yeah, who knows where the hell Ben's from. Ben's uh, one of my buddies over on Twitter. Um, yeah, we were talking about the match. We were ranting and raving about that for way too long, unfortunately, and uh, I ended up starting the show late, which, of course, is, is no surprise. But, uh, Sarah, what, what are your thoughts on the WWE titles? You know, we only have about 12 minutes to go. No, I, I want to listen to you. <laughs> you already heard me. You already heard what I have to say. I mean, I think it's, I think it's awful, but the best part is going to be uh, hearing the 20-minute you know, classic JV rant on on the, the disgrace and the travesty that is this uh, WWE title belt. <laughs> Just finish your told me I don't want to hear it. <laughs> let's see here. Let's see. Um, all right, sir. All right, uh, let, let me put you on hold. Oh, I guess Billy's already on hold. Uh, I love how it's just Billy, by the way. What, what a piece of trash. But anyway, folks, uh, that, of course, is my partner. Just cut that out when I end it this later on. Um, Again, there's so many things to discuss. Uh, talk about Bruce Wayne. This is something totally, you know, off the beaten path. But th- there's a there's a storyline out there, and this is not the regular DC universe. This is like a DC, you know, unlimited or whatever you want to call it. But uh, there's a new story going out there that uh, that in one version of Batman, Bruce Wayne gets Barbara Gordon pregnant. This is Batman Beyond, and of course, which causes a fight that leads to the like, you know, one of the big issues that he has with Dick Grayson later on. This is kind of like a, in the future, Barbara Gordon discussing this or whatever. So this is a new thing. Uh, I'm sure Joe would love to hear about that and, and you know, just talk about that. But I, when I heard that, it's just, it's just unbelievable. The article that I saw, the, the writer of the story was talking about it, and he was saying how, you know, that Dick Grayson and Bruce Wayne are his best friends. And, uh... <laughs> Uh, I'm sorry, it's looking at something that my scum uh, co-host just put on here. Um, uh, Dick Grayson and Bruce Wayne are not like best friends. They are father and son. Uh, as a matter of fact, when they killed off the Dick Grayson character and, you know, brought him back to life, of course, Bruce Wayne, uh, a.k.a. Batman, called him my son. So we'll kind of see where that's going. I just think it's such a horrible and stupid story. I don't know who thought this was a good idea. Uh, this actually reminds me of, you know, 
another terrible idea with Thor is being changed into a female Thor, which I discussed this briefly, but, you know, Thor, the, the male character, is still going to be around the Marvel Universe, but he's somehow going to be unworthy of holding Mjolnir, which is his, um, you know, the, the hammer that he wields, the source of his power, as it were, and he's going to wield, like, an axe or something, and there's going to be a woman carrying the hammer around, and her name is also going to be Thor. She has two characters with the same name. Gotta love that. Gotta love how great of an idea that is. But, you know, Marvel's running out of ideas. It's like DC's running out of ideas with the whole Batman pregnancy, uh, you know, scandal. Um, of course, this is this is old by weeks, and we weren't able to discuss this. Sting was announced as a pre-order bonus for WW2K15. Of course, hopefully this means that Sting is going to be in a WWE ring soon. Um, we'll we'll kind of see where that goes, but I'm sure eventually that's what it's going to lead to. A lot of fans are excited about that. And uh, just, you know, finishing up with the whole comic book uh, situation here, as you all know, I'm a huge fan of Arrow. Uh, I love that show. It's just totally been proven wrong. Uh, I asked my co-host to look into it. Of course, he didn't. He was some fucking loose-turd. He decided not to actually um, ever watch the show, which makes him want to super kick his teeth down his throat. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, season 3 is going to be great. I've seen some trailers for it. Of course, it's going to tie in with the Flash. But they've decided to bring in... Um, yeah, I'd like to know if, if my co-host has, has even watched the show once. Uh, you know, I'll have to wait and see for that response. But they decided to bring in, uh, and I'm sure Joe is going to find this interesting, Brandon Rouse, who was cast as Superman in Clark Kent and Superman Returns. He actually is being brought onto the show for, for a big story arc. He's going to play uh, Ray Palmer, who is better known as the Atom, another DC superhero. Um, he's going to be, if anything... Um, if anything, I think that, you know, he's going to be a huge part of the show, and I love the fact that they're bringing him in. Raiden Ralph is a really good actor. He was great on the show, Chuck. Um, you know, they made a couple of Superman references there, so the fact that he's going to be on the program on a regular basis, you know, I think he's going to be the guy who ends up buying, uh, you know, Queens and Salivated, so that should be good. But to have him play both, you know, Superman and the Atom is interesting. Um, so I'm looking forward to that, looking forward to kind of where they go, what villains, you know, which characters, et cetera, et cetera, they bring in this year. And of course, um, you know, I, I've been watching, for some reason, uh, Transformers 3, Dark of the Moon has been on repeatedly uh, on TVS, all these other different stations, and I've been watching it repeatedly. I, I just I DVR'd it, caught it twice. And, uh, you know, one thing that, that's interesting to me is I ended up going to see Transformers 4. Uh, I liked the movie. I thought it was really good. I know that people are going to criticize and say whatever they want, a little too long, et cetera, et cetera, but I'm curious what the future of the franchise is. Again, there, there are already four movies in. Shia Bow is no longer a part of the show. Um, they have, uh, for some strange reason, they ended up casting Mark Wahlberg as this weird ADA bird, this stupid character, lives in Texas, no Texas accent. I love, by the way. Um, so we'll kind of see where that goes. I'm not sure where they're going, which characters. One of the things that's always baffled me about the Transformers franchise is the fact that there's so many different characters that they can choose from and so many different characters they can pick. And yet Michael Bay ends up making up characters uh, like the Dinobots. Like, he had three or four Dinobots in the movie, I forget, but he changed the names of all of them, except for Grimlock. I just, I just don't get it. It's, again, totally baffles me. You're going to take over a franchise at least use the same name, you know, for the characters, you know, bringing, bringing characters that people know. Um... Again, just kind of looking forward to see where they go with this. But, folks, um, you know, there's so much in terms of movies, so many different things going on. You've got Batman v Superman next year. 
which is new. Uh, we kind of have to see where that ends up. But the last movie note that I have here is Spider-Man 2. Uh, I think I spoke to uh, one of my friends about this recently, but that Spider-Man 2 is the lowest grossing in the franchise's history. And, you know, one of the writing partners is actually leaving, so it kind of casts doubt on the, uh, the future of the series and, you know, part three. So we'll kind of see where that goes. Um, it just, it just, they need to stop making these movies. They're supposedly going to do a female-centric Spider-Man thing, Sinister Six and Venom, so they just need to stop, so hopefully that'll happen. But, but anyway, folks, um, again, there's, you, you got to thank you so much for joining us. And it's just a pleasure to, to be able to discuss these things with you, and of course, thanks to Joe for, for tuning in from, uh, from Texas. I'm not sure, you know, what the hell he's doing right now, but uh, it's great having him on the program as always, and ruining the show like he tends to do. Um, Again, we thank you so much to Ben who called in. Just, you know, it's always nice to have cars on the show. I have to bribe people and pay them off. But that's kind of besides the point. Uh, just hope you guys have a, a wonderful evening. And uh, thank you so much for tuning in. And make sure to check us out next week. We'll be back on the air on a regular time, uh, Tuesday at 11 p.m. Of course, always trying to get guests. And uh, hopefully we'll have a couple for you soon. Thank you so much and have a wonderful evening. And, of course, you know, before I go, this, this is what I thought of uh, Joe's little appearance in the program. Or maybe it was this. This is what I think of Joe for calling him, by the way. Or how about this? Shame on you! Joe in Wallington. What's up, Joe? This is special for, for Joe right here. Bang, bang, bang! What's the name of your show? Uh, Pure Gold. Pure Gold? Yes, sir. <laughs> I got two words for you. Pure Gold. What's the name of your show? Uh, Pure Gold. Pure Gold? Yes, sir. I got two words for you. Pure <laughs> Gold. You guys are awesome. Yes, we are, Nikki. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in, folks. Talk to you next week. Woo! Pure Gold, signing off.